Jeez, Dad, not the car again. Oh, happens all the time with old Betsy. Have you checked out Carvana yet? They have thousands of cars for under $20,000. But do those thousands of cars have personality like old Betsy? Betsy's held together by tape. And there are raccoons living in the engine. It's a family car. Uh, there are flames on the hood? Ah, custom paint job. No, Dad, the car's on fire. How many cars did you say Carvana had? Visit Carvana.com to shop thousands of cars for under $20,000. We'll drive you happy at Carvana. That is the most Stan Kroenke story I've ever heard, fuck's sake. When Arsenal knocks on the door of players, it's a different knock than other clubs. Slap, slap, slap. Les différents podcasts de frappe. Arsenal have been through their mile and a half of pipe like Andy Dufresne in the Shawshank Redemption where you have to see the light at the end of the tunnel. El podcast de golpe diferente. But Arsenal are going through their pipe, like I say. We'll be back. The Different Knock Podcast. Maybe we'll have a good Welcome back to the Bradley and Alex talk to each other about the football manager saves and do nothing else podcast oh, with uh, a lighthearted look at Arsenal with Alexander Moneypenny and my very good friend Bradley Adams. That Ooh. was a hefty crack. <laughs> <laughs> you know when you just decide, I, I I felt that and I was like we, we've got to lean into this because that was. <laughs> it's almost more embarrassing if you ignore it if you pretend. Yeah. Yeah, if you because everyone knows it just happened, you've got to own everyone. It. Yeah, yeah. Oh god, and you're and therefore and therefore you're rubbish and weak. You made a mistake. I'm awful. Imagine How that. Dare I? Imagine. Speaking of making mistakes, <clears throat> what were they called? Mura, Mura. Oh yeah, the, the the team that didn't exist last time Spurs won a trophy. Let me just read this out. If you missed this last night, you won't have missed this. Tottenham lost in the in the Europa Conference League to a team called Mura. Mura hadn't won a Conference League match until this point. Mura weren't a club a decade ago, and Mura are based in a town of just eleven thousand people. Now, to to sort of prove how bad this is, someone messaged me saying Mura. And I had literally no clue what he meant. I had to Google it. I thought he meant Lucas Mora. I'd never heard of them in my life. <laughs> and then Antonio Conte, after the game, goes, after three weeks, I'm starting to understand the situation. It is not simple. At this moment, the level at Tottenham is not so high. <laughs> oh, wait, wait. One thing to find out as well is... Is it the is it the is it like the Champions League in Europa where it's the top two teams go through of the group? Maybe are they are they not are they not going to qualify? They might not. Oh, brilliant! They're second at the moment. Ren are first. They can't get first because Ren have got eleven points. So the only place they can get is second. There's one more game left to play, and Tottenham and Vitesse are on the same points. I've got to see this. Hang on. They're in, so Google Europa Conference League table group G. They genuinely might not qualify if they don't win the next game. Wait, who are they playing? I don't know what's more funny, them not qualifying or them getting really far in the Europa Conference League. Oh, they've got to play Wren as well. They've got to play top of the group. Away? No, at home. Still, Wren are a good team, you know. Ren have got some. Ren have got some decent young players. They've got this guy called Soppy. He's decent. Is this your football they beat, manager? They beat. Uh, yeah, this is it. So, Everett, guy, I, uh, welcome back to the Different Podcast. How are you doing? I hope you're doing well. Uh, Bradley has fully got me on board with football manager. 
I've got a new laptop which doesn't have an aneurysm every time I open the app, and I am uh, I'm addicted. I'm absolutely addicted, and all I do now is just I literally like leave places, and I'm like, oh, do you know what? I could I could go home and play a game of football manager now. I've got an Arsenal save where I've signed I've signed I signed Kingsley Coman for twelve million pounds. No one cares about this, by the way. But I've signed a Kingsley Coman for twelve million pounds. I've signed Rodrigo Bentoncourt for seven mil. Um, and I'm a bit I'm a bit inconsistent, Brad. I beat Brighton seven nil, then got spanked by Watford. So oof, it's oof. Uh, I'm a bit. I'm what's a bit your sort of, What's your biggest win so far? Yeah, it, it was that. It was the Brighton win. It was seven nil. It was it was post uh, formation change. La- oh, last season at the Emirates, I got Nuno sacked. Oh, we love um, that. I beat Tottenham eight nil. Oh, home. that's so nice. And I I I, I had um I had a, I had a horrendous like week period where I had to play United at home, Leicester away, Chelsea away, Tottenham at home, Liverpool away, City at home, one after the other. I lost on penalties to United because it was in the Carabao. I lost in the Premier League to Leicester. And then I beat Chelsea away, beat Tottenham away, beat Liverpool away, beat City at home. Oh, mate, it was the best. It was the best few. It was the best like, hour and a half of my managerial career. <laughs> <laughs> Quite seriously, I felt like though. A genius. And this is, this is a genuine debate point I want to bring up. Do you not think there's got to have been some impact of like the FIFA games and the football manager games on football information and like how much people actually know like the players that people know that can put they can pull out their ass and information they have about other leagues and potentially even interest well there's loads of there's loads of little stories you can pull out um that float around on like funny twitter pages sometimes where um i can't remember who it was but somebody signed this free transfer for a team i think in league one and the only reason they knew he didn't have a contract was because um, the chairman's son told him he was a free agent on Football Manager, <laughs> and 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 things like that. And I I, I, I I don't think that it's. I think that it's definitely the birth of kind of. I think it is the 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 original database of idea for things like transfer market. Yeah, you think like this literally has every player in the world. Well, depending on how good your laptop is and how many leagues it can handle, and a monetary value attached to it. Yeah, that, like this is probably what you could class as the original version of that. If you've never played it, the detail is absolutely mad. I, uh, there was, and there's another story um, linking onto the one you just said of a guy from the other day, basically talking about how he saw someone a football manager who was playing for like it was like managing like a non-league team, saw them a football manager, thought I I think I recognise you, went out to eat at like Subway or something, looked up and saw that there was a guy who he sees in Subway all the time. And didn't approach him, then tweeted him, and the guy who and I like, asked him if he wanted to play down the middle or you know th- through uh, uh, on the left or the right or something, and he's like a youth player for Everton. Tweeted him, and the guy replied. Like it creates these stories, like that you just it would these never happen in other things. situations. Yeah. I love it. I really, I genuinely think it's amazing. Right today, uh, what we do? We are. Um, uh, waffling about football manager and we are also we're going to do some profiles later we're going to profile Ben Napper and um, uh, 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 Tim Lewis because uh, I don't know what, I don't know uh, Brad's taken Ben Napper so I don't know how you found it but Tim Lewis is um, makes a lot of sense to me I think as a as an appointment but we'll, we'll get into that later except I first... when he uh, apparently pushed for the Willian transfer 
I didn't. I didn't get that in my research. Oh. No, you told me that. You told me it was a Tim Lewis signing. When did I tell you that? I think I've literally got the text on WhatsApp. It's not on my research, dear. Have you done me? My spin on it now is I think he's actually a a really smart appointment from the Cronkies, but I can't uh, be. I can't be bothered uh, to look anyway. for it. But fair enough. But before we do that, uh, I do just want to discuss the United news: uh, the signing of Rev Ranić as their interim manager, and then a two-year consultancy period. Um, we had a discussion about this yesterday in terms of structuring clubs, and it will kind of feed into the, the conversation later about about Tim Lewis and uh, and I'm sure about Ben Napper. I think, I mean, overall, I think it's a really smart move. It's a great appointment. It's a great appointment. There's no yeah. like. There's no point muddying the waters. Like It's no. fantastic for United. It's a really good appointment and it's exactly what they needed. And in terms of if someone go, who... If they go with it and they allow him to do what he usually does, because I, I, I feel like there's just as much room for there to be a lot of kickback. From... Well, I think I think part of his his condition, supposedly according to the uh, the Ornstein article, is basically that he he does have power. I think he said, you know, I need like I need the power to actually make the changes that I need that I'm going to have to do. Um, and I think, you know, you look at the United setup, I appreciate, you know, from an outside perspective, you know, we we will probably not have exactly the clarity that that, that United, United fans do. But it seems very oversaturated. You know, they've got Darren Fletcher, they've got support sporting directors, technical directors, head of head of football, the football operations side feels a bit cloudy. And yes, they make a lot of money, but there feels like a lot of a lot of cooks in the kitchen. And I think someone like Ranjit coming in, and uh, I mean, actually, let's 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 look at that structure because I I can't tell you who makes the decisions at Manchester United. Now that is definitely through lack of research. However, I could I know there are about three or four names that basically, um, yeah. So this yeah, there's so many names involved. So they've got an executive vice chairman in Joel Woodward. They've got obviously the owners in the Glazers. They've got the sort of the non-executive directors so that's uh, more of the glazers on the board they've got the uh director of football operations alan dawson a football director in john murto a technical director in darren fletcher and a director of football negotiations and matt judge now and then you've also got woodward <laughs> and the manager of course so i i just i think someone like ranyak coming in and being able to streamline that a little bit and i, I it's difficult isn't it because when you discuss structuring football clubs it's a real question of how you do it and i don't think there's one specific way but i do think probably a general principle is about finding balance between not overloading um a football club and giving them too many places where things could go wrong or too many points of failure but also not giving one point of failure getting the right sort of expertise in the right areas, but also allowing people to grow. It's it's a real balance. But I think at Manchester United, someone like Ranjit coming in, someone who has structured football clubs before, someone who's come in and and put in good models, um, I think is a, is a really smart appointment. And I'm interested to see what he does with them on the, on the field as well. Yeah. And, you know, I, I said to you yesterday... It's it's exactly what United need. Their their kind of executive structure and their their kind of above the kind of manager level has been the thing that's been a cancer on that club for years. And that is what if he's given the power to do so, Ranjik will go in and change. And that's exactly what they need. And you know, you said to me uh, yesterday, don't get green eyes. And now I I do get a little bit of green eyes because um, you know, 
I made the kind of comparison yesterday. Ranić, Michael Edwards and Lewis Campos are almost like the Tuchel, Pep and Klopp of their respective field. Like they're, they're phenomenal. But in the same way that Tuchel, Pep and Klopp come in and, and bring different things, so do they. And I think that whilst Ranić could have definitely come in and done a job uh, maybe managerial level for us when things were definitely not looking so great. Um, on that kind of technical director level, with the model that we seem to be going with, we need to become a bit more of a Dortmund type in buying players young. Mm. So getting in someone more in the vein of a Michael Edwards or Luis Campos, getting in players and selling them on, that I think is the one thing that will serve Arsenal better. You know, whatever we think of the Cronkies, I don't think there's an issue. I don't think there's a structural issue. I think it becomes more about specific personnel that could be changed out and moved on. I think you're right. I, I really think you are right, mate. I, like I look at the Arsenal structure and and I think it's good. I think it's a really good structure. I think it's clear. I think it's f- fairly straightforward. There's pre- It's pretty obvious who's in charge of what. Um, mm. I, I feel secure in, in, in actually what's going on and who makes the decisions at the club in terms of in which areas. And at a place like United, I'm not sure I would. So I think that's a good thing. But as you say, it kind of it leaves it leaves the space for, well, it's one person. You know, Edu is making the technical decisions. If he's signing the wrong players, if he's if if the wrong staff are coming in, you can look at him. I think um, I think I supposedly there was rumours uh, that uh, Luis Campos was being looked at last summer by Arsenal to come in. So you know. And as I've always said, it's the same situation with the head coach as it is with the executive board. I think all fans would basically say, well, I hope all fans would say, you want the right people in. And if the right person is no longer Edu and, or Mikel, then let's change it. If Ten Hag is available and he's the right appointment, if Luis Campos is available and he's the right appointment, the problem is that right part. I think Arsenal are in that bit at the moment where you don't ask Lewis Hamilton to go and drive your Ford Ford Mondeo. Do you know what I mean? Like you, you've got to take it in. You've got to take it in steps. And I think at the moment, for the relative experience level of the of the people that we've got in charge, for the people that we could attract, for the budget that we've we've got set out for the uh, for the group of players in terms of their age profiles and their experience levels and what they what's going to be expected of them, I do think we've largely got the right structure in place. Now, will that hopefully at some point change or mold or, or you know i'm hoping that they all stay in charge and they all do a great job and we're here in five ten years time th- talking about this was the start of it all but ultimately if lewis campos is available and it feels like the right moment for the club why not if ten Hag's available and he feels like a better manager than mikel for this group of players i think um jamie carragher when, when all the stuff was coming out about Oli Gunnar solskjaer um, you know Gary Neville and I and I and I respect Neville and I and I understand his positioning of not wanting to call for his mate to be sacked. But Carragher said something really simple, which was, "If you can get a better manager, get a better manager." And I think I think that applies. You know, and yeah, but 100%. it just it just depends the conditions that you're putting it in, and, and it also depends if you could get a better manager. This this is the thing, and and it's 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 there's a very simple kind of. If you can get a better manager, get a better manager, which I agree with. But the the conditions have to be right. And looking at Ranjit coming in, um, I think the conditions he he's got the sort of job that suits him restructuring a football club um, and and getting the team playing some technical good football. Um, I think it's a great appointment. Agreed, agreed. And uh, I think we also have to, as Arsenal fans, really look honestly at what our version of success is over the next few years. 
you know, uh, I want to be winning trophies and I want to be winning leagues. But realistically, with this Pep Klopp and now added Tuchel dominance, it seems unlikely that um, the, uh, that a title is going to be available until maybe the kind of twenty the the twenty twenty four season, twenty maybe even the twenty twenty five season. You know, Pep's contract ends in twenty twenty three, Klopp's in twenty twenty four. You can easily see this kind of very happy marriage that is that is at the moment between Chelsea and Tuchel going tits up by then. So I guess you just have to make sure that you're ready for then to strike and win yourself that one title before the the giants come back out. Because realistically, until we're bought by a country or until Stan decides to put in the level of, of money required to consistently challenge, we will have to become that team that wins one title every four years or mm. five years when the other ones have to kind of go back into their shell, rebuild a bit, and then come back out. And so with that considered, in the now time, what we need is is to get this squad ready. And on the basis of the summer, and, you know, that 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 seems to be happening. I mean, the play style definitely isn't there 100% yet. We still have a lot of issues creation-wise that would absolutely be aided by an, uh, by getting in a coach who would instantly make us better. But do we get that coach now or do we get that coach at the end of the season and then give them two full seasons? It, it seems, I don't know. I don't know if the word is pointless because we don't know how the work, how the season's going to flow out for the rest of the year. But for me, it seems we we try and get Europa League, if not Champions League football. And if we get Champions League football, we should absolutely, no matter no matter how good an achievement it is by Mikel, we should definitely make a play for someone. If, you know, if well, we should certainly looking be like looking. Ten Hag might, if Ten, if Ten Hag's looking like he might move, then you should, you know, definitely make that, that phone call because with the greatest of respect to Mikel, us getting fourth this season would feel a bit like United getting second this season. Last season, sorry. You know, it was a bit empty. The only reason they did is because Liverpool had that cacophony of injuries and they, they kind of took advantage of a situation. It wouldn't it wouldn't be kind of the the realistic bearer out over a, what would be considered a normal Premier League season. So, so you think if we got fourth it wouldn't it wouldn't be representative of where we are? Someone would have had to no, fall away. No, I think it'd be a massive overachievement. I think it'd be a massive overachievement. And, you know, hats off to the club and to the manager for achieving that. But we always have to look realistically at where we are. And realistically, the top four, even just on on burden of spend, on burden of quality within the squad, should be City, Liverpool, Chelsea and United. It should be. And so if we get this squad into fourth, it is an overachievement. And sometimes you can go one of two ways with that. You can either go, oh my God, this manager is phenomenal. He's, you know... He's, he's done this, let's keep him on. Or you take advantage of that opportunity and go, okay, well, we're back in the Champions League. This is the perfect opportunity to get a kind of more proven next level coach in. Let's get them in. Let's throw some money at players and let's start building the squad more with now we've got that uh, added finance and added allure to the level where we can consistently be in the Champions League again. I think it, I think you're, yeah, I, I don't disagree with large parts of what you're saying. I mean, I mean, 
I think it's true in life, isn't it? You know, in the sometimes, well, pretty much all the time, it's not about what's right and wrong. It's about what's right for you. And I think for Arsenal, what is right for Arsenal in terms of the, the size of the club, the history of the club, the structure of the club, the finances of the club, the players of the club, every situation has to be assessed differently. Mm. And I think the kind of the Ajax and Dortmund model may be something we have to get used to or or maybe not, who knows. But I'm I'm not against that. We may look back in in, in five ten years, as I say, and go, uh, well, the you know the signings of Nuno Tavares and you know Chamberlain being sold for that price and Awobi and Willock. That was all the sort of early early signs of this now ten year project where we've been signing players, you know, picking up really good players off the continent and and and, and selling them for higher prices, for, you know, three or four years down the line. Maybe that's the that's the route we're going. Maybe that's part of the plan. Um, but ultimately, every club's going to have a different model. Um, you have to, I think you can only look within and that's why I said to you yesterday, don't get green eyes because Ranić comes in and we we don't really need a Ranić right now. We may do in two, three years. Who knows? We may have needed a Ranić two years ago. I think right now we, you know, we don't need that. We could use his expertise. Ranić would have been the perfect person to come in post Wenger. Exactly. So, so it's, it's really hard. And, and I think, you know, we, we look around and we see clubs who are at different stages of their their mm. process, you know, at different cycles of their of their. Um, I saw a, a quote from Russell Brand the other day, which was basically, "Life isn't s- cyclical or linear. It's like a almost like a spiral where you're going up, and you basically come back to the same point just with a slightly deeper understanding of what of what's going on." And I really like that. I think clubs go through that sort of spiral of things going on of 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 boom and bust, and you just learn and you learn and and you have different perspectives. Um, yeah, mm. I mean, we'll see. Uh, in conclusion, Spurs are shit. Uh, football manager's great. Of course, their first game's against us. Of course it is. And let's do some profiles. Let's do it. We all have tasks we'd like to avoid, like mailing and shipping. It takes time lugging all those letters and packages to the post office. That's why you should try Stamps.com. For 25 years, Stamps.com has made mailing and shipping easy. You get all the services of the post office right on your computer, anytime. No traffic, no waiting, no hassle. Plus, you save money with discounts up to 84% on USPS and UPS. With Stamps.com, all you need is a computer and printer. Print stamps, print shipping labels, and if you sell products online, Stamps.com connects with every major marketplace and shopping cart, so you can spend less time on shipping and more time on your business. Get started with Stamps.com today. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus postage and a digital scale. Just go to Stamps.com and enter code PROGRAM. Summer's just around the corner, so give your body the care it deserves with Osea's best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Created by infusing Andaria seaweed in barrels of botanical oils, it leaves skin silky soft and glowing. Plus, it's clinically proven to improve elasticity and deeply moisturize without feeling greasy. It's safe, clean, vegan skincare. Get 10% off your first order at oseamalibu.com with code GLOW, plus free shipping on orders over $60. Would you like to go first, Bradley? On Benjamin sure. Napper. Is it Benjamin Napper? No, it is Ben Napper. Not a Benjamin. Not like Mr. Not, White. Well, he might be a Benjamin, but he is known as a Ben, and that's acceptable. It's Benjamin to us, you know? Good old Ben. Good old Ben. Do you want to All make right. your football manager joke? 
Well, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll make my football manager joke. So uh, Ben Napper, according to football manager, is definitely not that good at his job because I give him the sack every time I start a new save. Uh, the stats aren't great. Thank you, Alex. Uh... We, re- we ready to move on now? So um, he joined us in 2010 just as an analyst from uh, a statistical analysis firm called Prozone. Uh, He's worked his way up and uh, been promoted uh, from the post of senior football analyst to the newly created post of loan manager in February 2019. So we didn't have a loan manager up until that point. Quick question, sir. Sorry. Are there loads of loan managers at other clubs? Well, that's what I'm about to say. Oh, sorry, I'll show up. Arsenal basically stole the idea. We we saw a lot of other clubs doing it, especially Chelsea um, and other really kind of bigger successful clubs were investing in this position and having somebody there to to not only manage the loans of kind of fringe first team players, you think like the Lucas Torreras of the world, but also getting really good development loans for Charlie Patino's, Tyrese John Jules. And monitoring them. And so in February 2019, we uh, decided to join the kind of revolution and create the position and hired from within, which I think was a really smart move because instead of bringing somebody in who has to get to know the whole structure of the club and has to get to know all the youth players and who they are and what they're good at, bringing somebody who already knows all of that from the inside uh, gives a, a deeper understanding that might have taken a while for a, a newbie to kind of get a hold of. Um, What's the loan manager at Chelsea, Lucas Piazon? Because surely, it, it, surely he's had enough loans now where he just goes, Do you know what, guys, I can, I can handle this." It, yeah, it possibly might have been. Or that Kennedy guy. How many? Kennedy. Got, oh fuck. Oh no. Or is, is it Van Bommel? That is Van yeah, Bommel. Yeah, they one? fucking. Yeah, they just. They just stockpot. I'm pretty sure it's human trafficking at this point. Vitus Arnhem. That's all it is. Yeah. <laughs> um, his primary job at the time was to work alongside head of football, Ran- Raul Sanyehi, and academy <laughs> manager, Per Murtasaka, <coughs> to ensure players uh, were who were in need of a loan were kind of given to the right clubs uh, <laughs> to, to make sure that their growth was was, you know, was good. I love that I started coughing um, when you mentioned Raul Sanyehi. Yeah, that was a Freudian slip. Yep. You okay? Yep. So as a loan manager, he's obviously had to deal with a lot of different types of players. Uh, fringe players struggling for game time and the club wants to get them out on loan, you know, trying to get a bit more money for them come the next January or summer. You think of Torreira, you think Guendouzi, you think... Lots of current Arsenal players because we got a fair few out on loan at the moment. And then academy players who are too good for the under-23s or the under-18s, but not quite good enough for that next level. So getting them out on a development loan so that they can grow a bit more so that maybe they can come back and be available for that level. So as loan manager, he is responsible for choosing the right club Uh and there's some really key factors to this, which is a style of football. How closely does it resemble what that next step up will be doing? There's no point sending somebody to uh, a Simeone team if you're trying to pay like 
if you're trying to play like Pep Guardiola. You know, they're going to learn something completely different. And whilst it might massively aid them, if it's not going to aid you in what you're doing, they might become a perfectly phenomenal defensive midfielder like we, we did with Torreira loaning him out, even though he didn't play. That might not be helpful if we want to reintegrate him. That might be really helpful if we're trying to sell him. We also have to have a look at, he has to kind of have a look at the competition of the club. Also the manager's view of the player and the player's view of the club. So what does Simeone think of Torreira and what does Torreira think of the opportunity of Atletico Madrid? Are they along the same wavelength? And is Simeone's view of how he wants to use Torreira the same as Arteta's in the sense that Arteta's sending him out there because he wants to play? And I think that if he'd have known that Torreira wasn't going to play in the same way that he thought he would, he might not have sent him. Now, um, after everything is taken into consideration, the player is sent out on loan. The job's not done. They have to keep in contact with the player regularly. They do it about his welfare, playing time, and making sure that the player feels valued at the parent club. Just kind of checking in and making sure that they do know that they are welcome at Arsenal and that especially if we are just trying to get them a bit more development and bring them back in. Like with Saliba, there's going to be lots of chats going on if the plan is to keep him and the plan is to involve him next season. There will be lots of conversations going on with him, making sure he's okay out in France, checking in with him, his mental health, his well-being. How is he finding working under a new manager? How is he finding moving back out to France again? So that when he comes back to Arsenal, he feels valued and feels like a real integral piece of the puzzle. Um, now, when Enketia was loaned out to Leeds, a committee was set up that um, consisted of loan manager Ben Napper, uh, Hus Farmi, who was the head of football operations, and Enketia, who sat down and looked at every single club that had registered an interest to loan him. And they chose three amongst those which were Leeds, Bristol City, and Fortuna Dusseldorf. Uh, both Leeds and Bristol City were in the championship at the time. Uh, and they all were invited to make a presentation as to why they think they would be the best place for Enketia to come. Leeds obviously eventually won it. Uh, and obviously, unfortunately, due to restrictions and kind of player counts, he didn't actually play that much. But um, just a another kind of, I don't want to call it an interesting story or an interesting bit of, of a story, but during his loan move uh, to a German club, VfL Bochum, Arsenal loanee Jordi Oseotutu had uh, really unfortunately faced racial abuse from an opposition player and was apparently reduced to tears, walked out from the match before returning after composing himself. Uh, ben Napper travelled to Bochum as a oh, wow. representative to check in about his welfare and really underline the concerns of Arsenal about what had to happen moving forward to make sure this doesn't happen again. Um, and that is absolutely, I think, what this role encapsulates and absolutely, I think, what this role needs. Uh, it's yeah. a human element in a technical job. And I think that from everything I've read... He does seem to be uh, that guy. And uh, now the the player himself was quoted as saying, Ben's been magnificent. 
for someone who's just come to the role, he's been great. He calls me or I can call him and he always messages me just to check how training's going. When I play a match, he'll sit down and watch the game and call me afterwards and give me a summary of how he thought I played, which helps a lot. Previously, I heard a lot of players were forgotten about when they went on loan, but that's why they've brought Ben into place. And I think the system is working better now. So it's really interesting because I, I mean, I, I sort of vaguely understood the, the role, but not, not to that detail. It's re- really interesting, Brad. Um, well done. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> really Thank good. You. Um, a number of things strike me. Firstly, the variety of things he does in that role. Analyzing games, contacting people at certain clubs, organizing loans, looking at presentations, uh, so presumably sorting out travel and all and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure the player liaison manager comes into that as well. But I mean, such a wide um, fuck off fly, um, <laughs> wide <laughs> variety of things uh, yeah. to be doing, which is uh, which is a, a, a difficult skill set. Second thing, I'm sure that Ben Napper will go on to have a big role somewhere because you are building up a lot of contacts there Mm. if you think about that that is a lot of clubs you're talking to that is a lot of players you're talking to that is a lot of if you're let's say recruitment analyst at arsenal you're working with data you're working with you know things that are available already you're not necessarily speaking to clubs you you may do to ask for certain data that they they don't have or whatever but i doubt you're day in day out speaking to other clubs or you know flying out to other places and you're mostly, I imagine, sat behind a desk or whatever. And if you're a coach, you're on the training ground. You're pl- you're working with a certain group of players. Now, of course, that will have its benefits. But someone like a loan manager must be speaking to so many different people. And I imagine he's got lots and lots of different contacts. I, I wonder, like, what I- I'd love to plot in, like, say, like 20, 25 years' time what loan managers did after they were loan managers, whether they went into be agents, whether they became um, people at the executive level, because that is a lot of contact. And I think it's uh, it's an interesting thing. Uh, another thing, the it's a really important role, and I think uh, I have a question for you in a moment, which I'd, I'd I'd like to ask you. Considering you know it's it's only a recently sort of adopted thing at football clubs, yeah, of a loan manager, it feels very important. A lot of what he's doing is crucial to the club like you know for, and, yeah. and, and and a lone player coming back in and making an impact to quote daddy wenger is like a new signing so if you can maximize that opportunity and of course on <coughs> of course on and off the pitch you're going to be looking for advantages here and there you know in every possible way you can every kind of competitive advantage you can but it feels to me like the loan manager surely should have been coming in 15, 20, 30 years ago. It almost feels like such an oversight that players were sent out alone, basically forgotten about, not given any feedback, not given any room to grow. And they might not have settled. They might not have, oh my God, this fly, mate. Do you want to be on the podcast? What do you want? (laughs) Fucking hell. (laughs) That was Um, very funny. Bro, oh my God. You are going to die. You've got a death wish. I don't want to kill you. It feels to me like such a massive oversight that we didn't have this before, surely. Yeah, I think that there was... <sighs> Hindsight's twenty twenty. You know, I think that... <laughs> there it is. <laughs> we can we can look at the, at the previous eras and, you know, I think of, oh God, who are quite famous Arsenal players that have, have been out on several loans and just not quite made it. Rio yeah, Miacci. There's, there's, yeah, there's going to be thousands. But... Um, 
one thing I think is great is that we've, I'm going to sneeze. <laughs> That's what I think is great. No, one thing I think that is great <laughs> is that we've seen the change. We've seen That's the funny. upgrade. Um, and we've seen other clubs taking advantage of this position. And rather than doing a usual Arsenal and resting on our laurels, letting every other team go ahead of us, we have made a decision. We've done it. And it seems to be working really well for us. You know, I'm, I'm looking at kind of uh, transfer marks of the of players that we've got out both this season and last season. You know, currently this season, we've got Bellerin, Guendouzi, Saliba, Nelson and Runison out on loan. Uh, all of which, and Torreira, all of those um, loans could do something really, really helpful and really Mate, good for Arsenal. If I told and you in two years, Saliba and Nelson played for Arsenal, you believe me. So it's important. It's really important. Yeah. And you think last season, uh, Torreira going out to Atletico Madrid, Ainsley Maitland-Niles going out to West Brom to get game time. Think of the Joe Willock loan. Like and how and how that loan alone, then that loan alone, then brought in twenty eight million pounds to Arsenal, and I don't think you can find a single Arsenal fan who was moaning at the time that's moaning now because look at the whiffers he's putting up. I'm sorry, Joey boy, but I think we've seen your peak. Yeah, but it's the, it's it shows the value of having a, a good loan, like <laughs> and having a team in place that can create those good loan opportunities and carve them out. And I think that's exactly what we've got now. And that will, it's almost like if you incrementally increase every avenue of something by 5%, it will have a massive impact. And this is one of those avenues where just by incrementally, like doing slightly better, the amount of money that we will bring in for transfers going out will be bigger. So then the mo- the amount of money that we can spend on transfers will be bigger. So then the value of the assets that we're sending out on loan will be bigger. And then that, mo- and it will just constantly rise. And it's this weird kind of bloody, God, what's it called? It's this weird kind of pyramid scheme where because we're bringing more money in, we can put more money out and then we can loan higher value assets out and then sell them for more. And it, it becomes a situation where we're just self- we're feeding ourselves more and more money for this just by having somebody in that role. Yeah. Just and paying it increases the bottom line of everything. Yeah. It's it's a really smart move by Arsenal. Really smart move by Arsenal. Here's a question for you, Brad. What do you think is the next big thing in football in terms of a coachy or off the pitch? So like we had a throwing coach which had, you know, sort of got clowned a couple of years ago and is now pretty much standard across a number of Premier League clubs. Uh, loan managers weren't, weren't a thing for a while and now they are and I can't imagine why someone wouldn't have a loan manager now. What do you think the next big thing is? I think we will see um, a massive push in data analytics. Uh, we still, ha- we, I don't think it will be new positions because we have them at the club. I think it will be new importance. Um, you know, with the success that Brent, Brentford have had doing a, 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 an, a what I would call a money ball I don't know if you've seen that movie or you're aware of the story. Aware of the story, the kind yeah. Of money, yeah, the money ball kind of technique. It That will become more and more prevalent in, in modern football because everyone's looking for those little advantages and everyone's looking for those little advantages that they can get for not a lot of money. Because whilst you may look at, you know, the powerhouses of the league, the Arsenals, the 
the, the Liverpools, the Uniteds, the Chelsea's, the Cities, who can spend 150 million in a summer and, and, and not lose sleep over it. Every, for every one of those clubs, you have a Burnley, you have a Norwich, you have even to a degree a Leicester or a Watford or a Leeds who don't have the financial capabilities to spend that money. Mm. So we'll probably see it going from bottom up, but mm. eventually at every club, there'll be a massive, massive import of of data analytics. I think we're going to mm. see a massive expansion of that. Teams of four or five will become teams of 15 or, or to 20. Yeah. Looking in depth at every single stat that we can get our hands on yeah. just to give us that slight competitive edge. And relative to players, data is a lot cheaper than players. So it's, you know, how, how do you how do you maximize well, your profits? Like, yeah. Ben Napper's salary is probably what if he's lucky 100k a year. If he's like, if he's lucky, probably a hundred K a year. Well, I wouldn't say lucky. He's working at, you know, one of the three most historic clubs in the country. It's probably around that. Um, but that's, that's chump change to, to Aubameyang. Do you know what I mean? It, yeah, it's chump change to Aubameyang. But even irrelevant of that point, if you consider that that one loan to Newcastle brought in 280 times, I think 280 times. Is it 280 I'm times? Not gonna, I'm yeah. not going to help you. I don't it's, it brought in 280 <laughs> times his annual salary in one six-month loan deal that he had a hand in. Yeah. Like that, it's, it's things like this and you look at it, it will be things like this in positions like this that start to pay for itself um, yeah. by making the club more money. Yeah. I think there's going to be some specialist, more specialist coaches first. I think there'll be some like, I think there'll be like free kick and corner coaches. I think there'll be like... But don't we have them in set piece takers? But coaches. I think they'll be even more specific. So I think you'll have... Like how the like strike, a team of set piece. Yeah. You'll have a team of set piece people. So you have like the guy who does the set pieces, maybe Nikola Jova, and then a corner specialist, a free kick specialist, a penalty specialist, a throw-in specialist. I think you'll see even more of those. Um... Yeah, I, th- I think data is a-, a big thing. I think there'll probably be just more and more specificity around around any kind of competitive advantage, like kit, like people who consult on you know kit shape and shit like that. Do you know what I mean? Like any advantage, like you know boots. Like there will be every single possible advantage you can get, even if it's making the boots three grams lighter. Honestly, because if you're Stan Kroenke and you think that's going to make you win a football match. You don't give a fuck. It doesn't matter what people think of you. You're just like, well, if that's your only, you know, he's just spent, what is it, $700 million on a stadium for the LA Rams. Well, he so- hasn't actually. So the way that that works um, is because the NFL shares uh, income across the whole teams, he will not pay all of the seven. He's pissed off every owner of an NFL club at the moment because every single uh, NFL team will have to contribute towards that to a degree. So Stan, for example, might only be paying half of that, but he's the person that's caused that whole issue. And it's because <laughs> of the way the finances are structured in the NFL. That is the most Stan Kroenke story I've ever heard. Fuck's sake. So he's been fined 790 million and he won't be paying all of it because he's got, he's got other people roped into a situation where they're going to have to pay some of it. <laughs> Should we do Tim Lewis? Let's do it. Chat to me about Timmy boy. Tim Lewis is a corporate lawyer. He's a partner at Clifford Chance. Clifford Chance, Clifford Chance, Clifford Chance. Uh, He was appointed as a non-executive advisor to the board in July 2020. So 
put this out there at the top. Tim Lewis, is he our Ralph Raniuk? He's not, just to cover. But in terms of structuring. So what I found is basically Tim Lewis has a lot of experience in many different fields of structuring business deals, structuring businesses to be the most efficient thing they can possibly do. They all make basically make the most money they can possibly they possibly can. So I'm sure he was involved in the LA Rams deal. He's also been involved in things like you know like gas pipe suppliers, a uh, thing called Wellstream um, on when they sold uh, in in 2010 to General Electric. He's worked with Stan Kroenke before. He tried uh, to help him with the takeover in 2011 when Stan Kroenke took over, um, and Tim Lewis advised with another person, uh, and and they that sort of they've been in contact since then. So he's been around in the sort of Kroenke atmosphere. And the smell of KSC for 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 a while. He's someone who they they know well and a, a, a lawyer who they trust. Um, <clears throat> he's a lifelong Arsenal fan. He's an alumnus of Charterhouse School and an Oxford University graduate. Oh, was he English? Yeah, Tim Lewis is English. Oh, I thought he was American. Tim Lewis, come on, mate. Tim Tim Lewis. Tim, oh, I don't know. ESPN uh, claim he has become uh, become a key figure in examining how Arsenal conduct their transfer activity, and also t- has also taken a look at expenditure in that field. So Tim has come in, and he's looked at and, and sort of most famously, I guess he's whether whether you believe he got rid of Ralph Sanier, he also or basically he came in and a month and a half later Ralph Sanier he goes. So you know, yeah, coincidence. And the news I, I think comes now. out about yeah. The news comes out about the payoffs and, and yes, such. and alleged, the, the apparent alleged, alleged uh, payoffs. Um, I just ripped my trackies. I'm having a mare today, Brad. Alex, mate, what's going on? What's going on? Flies, trackies. Um, uh, yeah, so he it was, he came in a month and a half later. Rasmus, yeah, he goes. So coincidence? I think not. Um, and he uh, he looks at the transfer dealings. He looks at the structure. He looks at how to become the most efficient club going now in terms of what a club needs you need football people and you also need business people and tim lewis is the sort of person you want at a club he's able to look at transfer structures look at wage dealings look at asset management look at all that sort of stuff with experience or in other businesses and running you know and as much as we don't like it football is a business so you want the best Mm -hmm. business heads in there it's a business it's a reference Sorry, from a musical Brad and I did yeah. once. Um, I couldn't help myself. <laughs> it's a good song. Um, but yeah, I, I, and I think he's a, he's a really important part of the picture. He's the, the phrase that's often used about him is he's boots on the ground in London. But it's important. The reason Manchester United can afford to spend the amount of money they do is because they handle their commercial side of their business so well. You know, part of the reason they're also a massive, you know, get a lot of money from the sporting side. But these things are very, very important. And having business people um, is is really important. Clifford Chance, Freshfields, Brookhouse, Derringer, and Slaughter and May, who are called the Magic Circle. It's all getting very Masons, isn't it? Are all advising this is all on very private school. Are all, <laughs> are all advising on? It literally did go to private school. Are all advising on Arsenal's uh, majority shareholder Stan Kroenke's six hundred million pound offer to buy the whole of the football club. That was from when they um, bought the full shares in two thousand and eighteen. Uh, and yeah, he he's he's someone who I think is really important. I mean, for example, we often point to. Well, I often point to a kind of a new era when Edu came in, Arteta came in and sort of Tim Lewis came in. And a couple of people say, well, Willian and Cedric, etc. If you what, uh, if you read the interview with Cedric in ESPN, 
he talks about how it was a gentleman's agreement for uh, Cedric to have basically to be given a contract when his loan ended. When, it, when his loan ended. And who gave out that gentleman's agreement? Rasan Yehi. Now, the club, you could argue, shouldn't have honoured that. But ultimately, there's a player who's been told that he's going to get a contract and he gets the contract. Now, we can see by his playtime, he's not particularly valued at Arsenal. And I think having someone in the club who simply won't let deals like that happen if they're not valuable is really important. And it goes back to the kind of structure. What did Arsenal need at the time? Um, and I, th- I think he, he is that. Vinay and Tim also spoke to the players after the Super League debacle. So they were the people who fronted up to the players. And it's interesting because you think, would it be Vinay and Edu? Would it be Vinay and Arteta? Whatever. It was Vinay and Tim. So Tim has a very big role to play at the club. Um, mm. And it shouldn't be shouldn't be downplayed. Absolutely not. There's not much on his personal life. I mean, I think he's pretty private. Um, he's a Ooh. lawyer. Do you know what I mean? He's got a... Oh, that's, that's, I was going to say he's got a big forehead. It's harsh. Um, <laughs> I'm going to leave it. <laughs> that's about that it. So, that's so brutal. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen. Well, he's a millionaire. I'm sure he'll be all right. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, in terms of how we're structuring Arsenal, firstly, I think he was some, someone really, really needed and perhaps has gone underrated in terms of the recent... Mm slight turnaround in terms of the acquisitions and how we've managed the club. Also, I wanted to ask you, because people often talk about there being a need for more football oversight. Now, we've got Richard Garlick, who recently spoke to Arsenal.com and was talking about his role with Edu. So we've got a negotiator. We've got a new team of scouts. We've got Edu as a technical director. We've got Mikel advising and obviously managing the team. Do you believe that we start to become a Manchester United by getting more football oversight, i.e. creating too many points of failure and having perhaps too many cooks in the kitchen. If you bring in a Lewis Campos, is he going to kind of upset that that dynamic? Or do I don't you think you stick, bring in a Lewis you, Campos as well as what we have. Or do you still believe there is a, there's a place for someone like him? No, I don't. Uh, I think... We are we've we've got a good structure. We have a, a, a decent setup. We know the way that we're running, and the way to move forward now is to improve on the ability of people in their respective positions, rather than creating new positions for them. Because, like we saw when Sanya he and Edu worked together for a little while, there was fractions and fractious issues, and it's definitely come out um, that you know, those two had different ideas and different ways of working. So it, for me, I think the, I think the structure is fine. I think it now comes down to personnel. I think that's where we need to be focusing our attention on now. We have the, the, the pillars in place. It's just whether we have the right people as those pillars to, to get the job done. I agree. Bradley, we have, Newcastle tomorrow. Yes. Tomorrow at 12.30 at home. Our record against Newcastle is really good. But let's not say that because we'll lose. (laughs) Well, we're not going to lose tomorrow because I'm there. Oh, yeah. That'll be good. Never watch the Arsenal lose. We've neither of us have watched the Arsenal lose. I've not even seen his draw. Just saying. And I'm watching the uh, Arsenal women against Barcelona next next week, week after. Um, Is it next week? Yeah, yeah, week after that, the ninth, uh, which I'm looking forward to. Um, enjoy the game. 
I'm, I'm, Thanks, I'm really jealous. You going with your dad? Ooh. Yeah. Wow. My dad's a Sunderland fan, so he'll be happy to see a stuff Newcastle. Wait, hey, the Maccas. Hey, hey, the, wait, hey, what? <laughs> Apologies to everyone. Uh, <laughs> uh, we will have a podcast out with Rohan on Sunday. Really looking forward to that, to uh, analysing the Newcastle breakdown, getting some proper tactical brains on the podcast, not our little noggins. Um, we've just got time, Brad. For a little bit of Arsenal trivia. Have you noticed that I've completely been fucking this up for the past few weeks? Yeah. So two weeks in a row, I forgot to ask the second question. And then last week, I forgot the jingle. So the little boom. So this, I'm going to try and get through this without messing it up. I think it's because I'm in such a desperate rush to get the podcast edited that I'm just like, ah, yeah, finish. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Bradley Adams. Your old question was, what is Mikel Arteta's full name? I'm I'm not going to say anything just on the basis that it might be slightly jingoistic to say, like, get Mikel gone. Juan Arteta. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Arteta's full name is, get him out of my club. Uh, it's Mikel. Mikel, when's it going to end, Robbie? <laughs> Arteta. <laughs> it's Mikel Arteta. Amitrian. Amitrian. There's a, again, there's a pun about am I trying, but I, I'm just not going to make it. I'm just not, it's not even a pun, is it? It's wordplay. I don't know what it is. Anyway, new question is, <laughs> and this is, uh, <laughs> you'll like this one. Bradley, can you name all of the colours on the socks of this year's kit? Can you name all of the colours on the home kit sock, the away kit sock? And the third kit sock. Have you been paying attention? Not to the fucking socks, no. And just a <clears throat> a, a heads up, we wore our red sock. We wore plain red socks on the opening day of the season, which is technically not the away strip. Oh, okay. I'm pretty sure. I need to. I'm, I'm on to fact check myself on that, but I think it's not the away strip. Uh, okay, we got through that. That's good. I managed to. Ask, ask two out. questions. <laughs> Good podcast hosting. <laughs> Bloody hell, this guy's good. He asked two questions. Uh, Brad, pleasure as always. Always, my friend. Anything else to say? Any any more uh, hot takes? Um, <sighs> no. Uh, thank what you all for listening. Who, uh, who are Tottenham? Just like, what an irrelevant club. Bless you. Bless e- you. Even with Antonio Conte at the helm. They still can't make themselves oh, relevant. I w- please, if you haven't seen it, Alex, please retweet the the Jamie O'Hara oh, thing yeah. I sent you. It's so I'll do it now. Have a look on the uh, the different Diff knock, knock Twitter. It's Twitter. Please, uh, 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 you won't what? regret it. You will not regret it. <laughs> my, my response is, God, that's good. <laughs> Tottenham are back. Three weeks later. Bradley, pleasure as always. Thanks as always for listening. Keep it different, Doc, and we will see you on Sunday. Peace. Peace. Thank you so much for listening to the Different Knock podcast. Please hit subscribe or follow on whatever platform you're using. If you'd like to support the show, you can find us on Patreon and buymeacoffee.com. Find us on Twitter at DiffKnock and visit our website, thedifferentknock.com. Thanks.
Sports Social Podcast Network.